guys ready for the word? Oh, love it. I'm excited. I'm excited because uh, we, are, we are talking about things that matter. I feel like that's great. A lot of times churches don't talk about things that matter. A lot of times churches don't talk about and talk from and speak from the word of God. A lot of times they just like want to uh, give you what your itching ears want to hear. But I'm excited that the word of God has jacked my life up and weekly. Hopefully it does the same to you, that we become better as we learn the word of God and it changes us every single step of the way. And I'm excited about we're speaking on things called culture. Remember, culture is a byproduct of people. People are people, but the culture is how they live. And we're challenged in how we live to impact the culture in which we live. But we, we want to see how we can live out our faith outside of this building because this is easy. This is a holy huddle. We're good here. It's our like, God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. Welcome to church. I love you. You know, that's easy. But how do you love the unlovable? How do you love people that you don't necessarily agree with? How do you love people that come from different backgrounds, that don't speak your language, that look different than you, that think differently than you, that go to different churches or don't even go to church? How do we do that? And that's what we have to learn in this series. Last week, we were so encouraged by the man of Moses, a man of God, and his prayer that he had in Psalm 90. He gave us this understanding that we are to, to understand the brevity of our lives. To understand that our days are numbered, sometimes 70, at best 80. We know now people are living for quite some time. It's like, no offense, but you probably need to just, I'm kidding. 70, 80, you know, it's at least stop driving at certain ages. All right, are you with me on that? Just stop. That's not a good call, okay? And some of that is even young people that shouldn't drive. But anyways, teach us to number our days. And understanding that as we live in this life, that his, his favor his work will be established within our hands. And for me, I, I was challenged by this because, again, we're called to go into culture and not stir that pot, but stir the heart of man, to stir the heart of women and the way in which we live. And I don't know about you, but culture stirs us a lot faster, doesn't it? See, we spoke on this Sunday morning, and then Monday morning we awoke to probably one of the worst tragedies in a lot of ways that America has experienced. I'm not typically that pastor that, that, you know, something happens in the week where we can grip their heart. Let's go ahead. We got to sell this. This is good. No, 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 no. We don't do that stuff. But the thing is, something happened for me. Something happened for Kara. And as we spoke together that next day, understanding, understanding this is terrible because now we know the exact numbers that 58 people lost their lives in Las Vegas. Remember that? 498 people were wounded in this senseless act. And it wasn't even until last night because literally, guys, I try to stay away from this stuff. I want to know the facts. But, you know, when you start seeing the stories of the people, does it not mess you up? You see a mom of two kids just adopted another one. Single mom, gone. You hear the story of a father, you know, jumping over onto his, his wife so that he could take the bullet for her so that she could live on. I, had, I got through like three bios and I had to stop because this world, this culture is a hot mess. And you can't help but be gripped by the understanding that there is very few places that you feel like you can go in this world and feel safe. Kara asked me the next day, she says, is there anywhere 
that we can go, that we feel safe. And I paused for a moment, and I was like, no, there really isn't. And you think about this as a parent, or even especially as a you think about the fears that you could have in any given day, especially as a parent. Don't want my kids to get on the bus. No, I don't want them to get on the bus. Why? Because that's one person controlling that bus with 50 kids on it. Is he crazy? What's he like? What's his background? What's he, what is he drinking right there? What is that, you know? Don't want to go, my kids to go to school? No, I don't want them to go to school. Why don't I want them to go to school? Because everybody's crazy up in there. There could be some other kids that could be mean to them. Or the teachers, are they really certified to do that? Or are they just plugged in there? I don't want to go to Walmart, that enough said. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Especially Saturday night. Wow. Wow. You see the best of Morgantown up in that joint on Saturday night. The best meaning the worst. But you think about this. Where, where do you feel safe? Where do you feel like you are free from fear? This is the reality of the culture of the world that we live in, that that's not guaranteed. That's not guaranteed. We're guaranteed that in this world we'll have trouble, that we'll have tribulation, that we will have, you know, very difficult times. But how often are we assured that we will have peace? And it's funny, as I go back to studying the word again this week, to, to look at last week's word and just really praying, like, what, what is the definite direction and this and that? I turn over right to the, the 91st Psalm. Just after the one that, that Moses spoke, I read the 91st Psalm, and the Holy Spirit prompted me in my heart. And this thought process began to ensue that where do we feel safe? Where do we feel like we can be without fear? Only when we're with him. So you'll follow on your screen as I read along. We break these into the segments because these segments of the conversation will make sense in just a moment. Psalm 91, 1 through 16. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will find him and in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You read a psalm like that, and you're like, that sounds like there's a guarantee that when I'm with him, everything's going to be perfectly fine. Justin, you, you, you started this conversation about an atrocity where nothing was fine. I get it. See, when we have a relationship with the Lord, 
and he's our refuge. He's our dwelling. It changes the way we process life and culture around us. You see what I'm saying? Terrible. Absolutely. Terrible things happening every single day. But who you're with changes the way you see these things. Who you're with changes the way you receive these things. Who you're with changes the way you will live out these things moving forward. So it's talking about here making the Lord our refuge. So when we make the Lord our refuge, we will experience his rest. Psalm 91, 1 through 2, talking about whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. This is believed to be a psalm of David. So when you hear words like this, they make sense, don't they? When you hear the full story of of who David is and who he was in history, it makes sense that a shepherd would say that the Lord is my refuge. Why? Because I took sheep with me out of the storms because that's what it means. A place outside of the storms, outside of the calamity. And when you think about the Lord as our refuge, that doesn't mean the storms stop coming. It's just that you have a place and a person to go to. Does that not change your perception of when these things happen. This, this picture of a fortress, a fortress. This is an inaccessible place that you can't be reached at anymore because your rescuer, right? The one who is your refuge has taken you to a different place through this process that we can trust him, that we can feel confident. This is a bold statement to start out a psalm with because what it is doing is establishing the personhood of God in one's life. Doesn't that make sense now? This is who he is. This is what he's made of. This is his character. This is his integrity. And this is his intent for us being in relationship with him. That's one section. Second, we, when we make the Lord our refuge, we come up under his protection. Again, you say, Justin, this does not make sense. What you're talking about, there were many people that weren't protected. In this life, I feel like I've been so unprotected that I've been in so many places that I shouldn't have been. I don't know how to quite process this yet. Remember, we're establishing who God is, also what he brings, which is this protection that we come up under. You will not fear the terror of night. This is Psalm 91, 5 through 8. Nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. See, this fear of the night that we're talking about in verse 5. I don't know about you guys, but when I was a little guy, I was afraid of the dark. I was. Just be real. I was. Even last night, I was here putting some stuff in the computer, these notes, and I was like, did y'all hear that? Nobody was here. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm like, hold on a second. Hold on. How you do this? Hey, Disney. Oh, it's good now. I'm good. I can see my way out. I got my light on. Thank the Lord for iPhones, okay? Shameless plug. All right. But you think about night and what comes in the night. All right? Are you with me on this? Terror and pestilence. Words like that make it seem like it's so much fun, but it's really not. <laughs> you ever been like awakened from a dead sleep to a loud noise? What, what, what's in you? Ha! Terror. <laughs> Bless the Lord, you wake now, aren't you? Air five. Air five, I saw you. You sleeping. Some people get their best, best sleep in church. You know what I mean? 
I know it's soothing. It's like listening to Barry White up in his mother. Mm, my darling, I, right? The other night I was sleeping like a baby, snoozing hardcore two nights ago is what it was. And y'all know that the right ear ain't working like it used to, huh? For real. So I'm sleeping on the left side, and I don't hear much on the right side, so I'm sleeping like a baby, okay? And everything is fine. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I hear this, ha, sound, just like you heard before in your little dribble. And I, I, I heard this sound, and I'm like, up, you know? Because, you know, you're half asleep. you got croutons in your eyes. You can't see. I, I wear glasses at night instead of contacts, so I'm just like... You know what I'm saying? Like this. It was like vertigo without the vertigo kind of thing. So I'm stumbling down the hallway. I'm walking downstairs because Aiden's room's downstairs. And I look at him. He's like, <laughs> you know. And I go back upstairs and check on the girls. And they're just out cold, hot mess up in the beds, fine hair everywhere. And I go back in the room I'm like, Kara, I didn't see anything. I turned the lights outside. I, I was looking out there trying to see stuff, squinting, you know. <laughs> Nothing, babe. Okay, okay, Jess, okay. Because if she gets up in the middle of the night and doesn't put her glasses on, it's going down for real, okay? She's the one that can't drive without glasses kind of thing. So day two passes. I'm like, you know what? I think you yelled in the middle of the night. She's like, you think so? I'm like, I'm deaf almost in one ear. How would I have heard something? It's like someone came up in the house and said, you know, kind of thing. Well, she was having a dream. She wasn't reading Word Up magazine either. Girlfriend freaked out in the middle of a dream and starts yelling. I run out the room thinking something's wrong on the outside. But what's the problem is on the inside. But isn't that funny how fear gets us in that way? We'd be in the middle of the, the best sleep of my life. And then all of a sudden, ah, something. How about when you go to bed and you feel great? You wake up in the morning and you got hit by a Mack truck. You got a fever. You're like a hot, sweaty, clammy mess. You know, you wake up and stuff's everywhere. You know what I'm saying? That's the terror of the night. That's the pestilence of life. That's how the enemy works, doesn't he, with fear? You think everything is just perfectly fine, and then before you know it, ha, huh, a mess. How about those plagues by day when everything seems like it's going fine, but that everything just goes awry? You watch it happen, unfold before your eyes. Both of these things ultimately lead to destruction in our lives. By night, by day, whatever, it is a snare that ensnares us that we are hunted down by and grips us with fear and puts us in a different place than we ever expected we would be. But what's so encouraging by this, verse 7 and 8, is this understanding that as we continue to fight with the Lord and for the Lord, he will give us victory through it. That we won't even be touched by this stuff. It's like Teflon. Hits you and falls right off. Nothing sticks to you because the Lord's inside of you. Some of our greatest victories and our walk with the Lord are seen as our greatest failures by others. Why does, what does that mean? We're guaranteed to have bad days. Promise you. Don't look for them because then that's Debbie Downer. You know, every party needs a pooper and that's why we invited you kind of thing. No, don't look for them. But every day you will have things 
that will come your way that the Lord will give you victory in that others will think that it's a failure, that it's a broken promise. But how we respond to these things is how others will experience the peace of God in their lives too. He's given you something that only you could get by way of him. It's peace in the midst of the battle. The Lord is our refuge. When he is our refuge, we don't have to be gripped with fear, for we know that he fights those fears for us and with us. The third thing, when we make the Lord our refuge, heaven responds on our behalf. Psalm 91, 9 through 13 This is about us. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Remember that refuge where we are free from the storms, from the danger, but also that place that we can find hope. He is our dwelling. He is our tent. He is the place that we find ourselves, but it's a choice. When stuff happens, do you run to him or do you run to them? Do you run to your safe place? Do you run to somebody dwelling? Do you run to your home, to your tent? Or do you run out and talk about it to somebody that has no ability to change anything within your life? We have to talk to him because he's the one that holds forever in his hands. And I love this, that he will command angels. Command means to appoint, to give charge over your life. That's a beautiful picture, that they are commissioned over your life. And this is that heavenly bodyguard, these angels. Let me tell you a quick story. When we were getting ready to sell our house back in Maryland, we were working like crazy on this thing, you know, for for quite some time just to get it ready. And one of these trips back to Maryland, um, we we were uh, getting ready to do some work and we we, we parked right across the street uh, from the house. And uh, this is a busy road, a busy road. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting here, I'm talking on the phone thinking nothing of it, I hear the door open behind me, and it's Andalyn's door. Andalyn jumps out the car, jumps out the car, starts running across the street to the house. Now, see, we live now in a place where you got a driveway, you got space, you got a garage you park your car in. You don't have to worry about these things. My baby girl jumped out the side of the car, and all I heard was, Yeah. The sound of of a car screeching to a halt, and I didn't hear anything else. I look over, and all I see is her hair flying on the other side of the car. In that very moment, of course, I died a little bit inside. But also, I saw God sending heavenly angels, a heavenly host, to protect my baby girl. She should have got hit by that car in that moment. She should have been under that car. No joke, guys, I'm telling you, it did not make sense you know me, I'm an analytical, I'm playing out the situation. I did this, they were going this fast, blah, blah, blah. I'm like crime scene up in that joint. I'm like, this is, he will command a bodyguard on your behalf. You're like, but Justin, what about people? Remember what you're talking about here that didn't receive a heavenly host of angels and things like that. Listen, I don't still understand everything about everything. I know we live in an extremely fallen and broken world and that things happen still. You're like, that's not a good enough explanation. I know because I can't understand it. I'm with you. I don't understand it. But I know what he's trying to build in me here is a sense of trust. Just like when I say things to my kids that they don't get why I'm saying it. 
Like why I would say to them, listen, I'm going to tell you about something in a year that's going to make a lot of sense. But right now, this is what you need to know. And they say, okay. Because they trust me. What he's trying to build in us is a sense of trust that regardless of what happens around us, in all ways, he will take care of us. In all ways, even the stubbing of a toe. How many of you, oh, that's of the devil himself. You know, just break my foot off. Stub a toe, step on a, step on a Lego, I'm done. You know, whatever. But he will give us the ability to not just tread, but to trample, which means to put under your feet Lions and cobras. How many love the circus? Why do you love the circus? Because the lion tamer and the lion and the man that sticks his head in the mouth of a lion that should not have that job. That is crazy. But we love to see it. Why? Because it's a lion. It's so strong. Its teeth are so big. It's so amazing. But how about that guy? You know, the, the, the cobra tamer, snake charmer guy? That guy's of the devil himself. Why are you trying to mess with why? Because these things pose such a great threat. These examples make perfect sense that as believers, like, like Samson, when the power of God came over him, he rips a lion apart. Kind of a big deal, okay? But also the understanding, like when Jesus sent off those 72 messengers and they came back and he said this, I love this portion of scripture. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. As he sent them out to be the church, to be the example, it was an understanding that the devil, the serpent, the he is a defeated foe. That lion, remember this from our last series, if you don't check it out, that lion has a loud, a loud roar, but he's so old, all of his teeth have fallen out. What he does is he's, and then you run to the little baby lions, and chomp on you. Remember, I hate cats. God bless you all. Right? It's, it's not the roar. It's the small bites. Right? It's understanding that he is a defeated foe in our lives. God is at work in and through us and has a heavenly host surrounding us so that we will see victory in him. So then there's a change in the conversation of this psalm. There's a change in the conversation because we see this saying that, that I will say us, talking about us as God's people speaking and the things that we can talk about him. But then God speaks in the conversation. I love that because I'm assured by this that when I talk to him, he talks back. When I talk to him, he listens and he hears and he thinks about me as his child. When I talk to him, he sees me and he says things that make perfect sense like this. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. See, it starts with love. It starts with love. And it starts with knowing his name. So important. Two aspects. Because we love the Lord, he will rescue us. And because we know his name, he will protect us. This love that we're talking about here is this covenantal marital love that we should have in our lives. That regardless that things aren't working out right now, God, I'm frustrated. We say to him, though, hey, you know what? You did your end of the blood covenant with Jesus. I'll do mine. Because they love me, he says. Because they love me, I will rescue them. It means to deliver, carry away, and escape with us. 
Imagine that scene like out of some movie that could be made in Hollywood where he comes in, he's like, like Rambo, you know, you know, I would love to see it that way. But he just comes in and he sees you in this place and he grips you out and he rescues you. Why? Because you love him. He comes to the place that you are where you thought you would never be and he rescues you. Why? Because you love him and because we know his name. This knowing aspect is to have knowledge in our own lives it's personal. I think about this with my kiddos. And the name dad entails so many things. You know, greatest joy in life. You know, you hear about it nonstop as being a father. Next to, to being a husband to care is being a father to my babies. I love it. And they know that when they say dad, they, they attach things on the other side of that that they need from me. See, when we know his name, he attaches protection, right? But see, God's name means so many things in our lives. Think about it this way. El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. Yahweh, you see this as Lord and Jehovah, or Adonai, Lord and Master. We continue on the Jehovah side of things. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. Jehovah Raha, the Lord, my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there. Are you getting with me this? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And I love this last one. There's more names, but Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. See, when you call him by the specific name, he responds in a specific way. Because you are identifying him as this type of refuge in this moment for my life. Does that make sense? You're calling him by name because you love him and you know that he will respond. Now, it's hard again when we look in a world that is so broken. But we know that we have a Lord that loves us. Verse 15, he will call on me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. That idea, again, that he is fighting with us. This is what the rescue looks like. Verse 15, as we continue on, he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver and honor him. This is that not just pulling you out of that tough situation, but then saying to you, all right, look, this is what you were missing. I need to equip you for the next time you find yourself in this place. It's like going hunting, you know. Sometimes you need more than just those bare essentials. For me, I need more food. Can I get an amen? Because when I get bored, I'm like, nom, 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 nom. but you need the right tools for the fight so that you can succeed. And when he delivers you, he pulls you out of that situation and he gives you the things that you need so that you can continue to fight. And not only will he, will he help you to, to, I love this, to be delivered, but he will honor you. He will distinguish you amongst your peers as to how you fought that fight. He will set you apart and your story will speak in such a way. Because when calamity comes, not if, when troubles arrive, not when or if, when it happens, your story will speak volumes to people that you never thought would happen. Our worship team is going to come up this morning as we're getting ready to conclude. And I have this thought for you. A couple things. As we love the Lord and we know his name, he will completely satisfy and deliver us. As we know the Lord and we know his name, we know who he is and we know what his name means, he will completely satisfy and deliver us. Psalm 91.16 
With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Satisfy. To be enough. This summer, Aiden and I had a fun time. We got to mow lawns together, right? It was great, okay? Here's why. Because my boy is like that type A kind of guy already. 11 years old, crazy town, but I love it, okay? He's the kind of kid that loves to mow, loves to vacuum. Why? There's lines. And we'll work so hard to see the contrast in those lines. I'm like, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You know, I'm like, son, we are together on this. Hallelujah. Somebody gets me. Okay, kind of thing. Brandon knows what I'm talking about. Lines in the carpet, right, brother? You with me? He would work so hard because he would say at the end, dad. And he would say this literally, that is so satisfying. (laughs) Like you, my friend, have problems. And I like them. Let's share them together. Let's go ride a bike. But when you think about satisfaction, we try so hard to find it in so many things outside of the one who who created us, who will fill us to overflowing, that will saturate. That's what this means. Every part of our being. To such a point that you will be completely satisfied with his care satisfied with his presence, that nothing else will measure up because nothing else is the same as him. That's what satisfaction looks like. But also, he said, I will show him my salvation. See, salvation starts here with the act of repentance, saying, I give you control of my life. This is where it starts, but it completes its work when we're with him in heaven forever. See, the, the beauty of salvation is that he can deliver you right where you're at. You don't have to wait till heaven to get there. Why do you think people want to die so bad sometimes? Why do you think the suicide rate is what it is? They can't make it on their own anymore here on earth. They just want it to be over. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Imagine how, how hard that breaks the heart of a father who loves them so much. Because he wants you to be delivered here. He wants you to be delivered here and to live whole and to be satisfied with his care and his dwelling and him as your refuge here so that when you get there, it'll just be a glory to glory is what scripture talks about, a smooth transition that when we get to heaven and we worship him all the same from every denomination, every tongue, all that stuff, remember, it's just like it was here. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he wants for you. To completely satisfy you and completely deliver you. But he wants you to want it too. He won't force himself upon you. What does this take? Proverbs 3, 1 through 6, not just 5 and 6. From the wisdom of Solomon. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years And bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Bind it around you like a necklace that everybody can see. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Let it be inscribed on your heart. Then you will find, you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God And, and man. But wait, there's more. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not 
on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. So often you find yourself leaning on the wrong thing and it's you. You're leaning on what you know. You're leaning on what you've experienced. You're leaning on what you think is the the most right thing to lean upon in this moment. But what he's saying is, trust me. Trust me. Because I'm the one that holds salvation in my hands here and there. For him, he's speaking from heaven, right? So here and there. He's the one that holds eternity. Will you trust him? Will you trust him? That's the key. Will you trust him? So if you mind, uh, just to bow your heads with me for just a moment, close your eyes. Every week, and it may seem like it's something that you may get tired of, but we give folks an opportunity to respond to a good news message that Jesus came and died for their sins and came back to life so that they may have eternity with him. We know that all we have to do is believe. That all we have to do is believe. And if we believe, we've been redeemed. We're saved. But what we got to do is coupling that with a heart and a life of repentance, which is a life that turns from our desires, trusting in oneself and trusting in him. Leaning not on your own understanding, but on the understanding of, of who God is and how he sent his only begotten son and that his spirit then lives within us. Those key things changes the way we walk and live every day. So the question I have for you, and this is in lieu of your relationship with him, do you trust him with eternity? Which means, do you have the right relationship with him today? You may have started that decision, you know, or moved in that direction years ago, or maybe fallen apart or fallen away from that decision. But if you would like to decide to trust the Lord today with everything in you, and lean not on your own understanding. I just want you to look at me and then you can close your eyes when we lock eyes. If you want to do that, if that is your intention today, to say you trust him, thank you. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. A lot of us, okay. Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit has gripped our heart as we've read your scripture and he has challenged us. He has challenged us to respond. That he has done a work that only he can do, a convicting work that only he can do because he is the one who will sustain us. He is the one who is in us and will help us every single day. So Lord, I thank you for your spirit today and what he just did, this miracle of salvation and the challenge to turn from self and turn to you. Let our hearts be tuned to you, Lord. Let our hearts and our minds be affixed to you. Help us to trust you with everything. Not holding anything back, but to trust you with everything. We thank you, Lord, that you are our refuge. That you are our fortress. You are our strong place that we can run to. That we can find rest in that place. We can find peace that regardless of the calamities of life that are stirring around us, we can say that the Lord is my refuge. Even when we lose a job, we lose a relationship, when we lose finances, 
when we lose loved ones, when we lose a, an opportunity that we thought was going to happen, we trust you because you are our refuge. You are our strong tower. You are the place. You are the person that we will run to. And we thank you. Jesus, strong, strong and mighty name.